Welcome to Leading with Intention with Monique Daniel. Over the next hour, you're going to learn how to lead more efficiently and effectively in a post-pandemic world where the workplace has changed dramatically. Now, here's Monique. Hi there. Welcome to the show. I'm Monique. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Today, we're going to be talking about employees who are chronically ill, the issues faced by those employees in the workplace, and also the issues faced by their employers. We'll delve into the definition of chronic illness, the laws in this area, and the responsibilities of the Human Resource Department. My guest today is Julie Hamilton. Julie has over 20 years of experience in human resources, and she's a certified fibromyalgia coach. In 2009, she was diagnosed with fibromyalgia. Over time, she's gone from being bedridden to participating in her first 10K. She now helps chronically ill professionals manage their career and helps companies create an inclusive environment for the chronically ill. Julie, welcome to the show, and thank you so much for taking your time to be here. Well, thanks, Monique, for having me today. I'm excited to be here and share my message and journey, passion, whatever you want to call it. (laughs) And you've written a book to help employers help their chronically ill employees. What's the name of that book and how did all of that come about? Yes, um, my book name is Chronic Illness at Work, How Managers Can Support Employees with Chronic Illness. And how this came about is um, I kind of took my HR experience and what I've been hearing from my clients for the last uh, seven years was that their employers didn't know how to work with them. You know, they didn't know what was eligible or what they were eligible for, uh, like for policies or what laws, et cetera. And then I found out some employers were administering the laws. They weren't administering the laws correctly. Okay. And you, so you had a corporate background in HR, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you became ill yourself, chronically ill. Yes. Um, I had neck surgery in December of 2008. And the pain from the neck surgery, um, you know, went away. But then I started experiencing all over body pain, and I just couldn't understand why. And luckily, I had a great general practitioner. Okay. Um, because he knew a lot about fibromyalgia and I was diagnosed within three months, which is abnormal because a lot of people will go years without a diagnosis. Okay. So kind of what triggered it all, or, you know, it can be hereditary, which I found out after my diagnosis, my mom had it, um, high stress. So it was a high-stress job, a not very healthy marriage. I was the sandwich generation, had elderly parents, and taking care of young children. Um, I had trauma. Uh, 
with a car accident. So that's a trauma slash accident, surgery. I mean, I had the whole gamut of what can bring it out of dormancy, so to speak, in my body. So it came alive and I've been dealing with it ever since then. And is fibromyalgia considered an autoimmune disorder? Does that fall under that category? It depends on who you talk to. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, um, I believe it does fall under an autoimmune disease. And they don't really know what the root causes or or a lot of doctors don't believe it's true they don't know how to diagnose it they don't understand it or have never heard of it and i have an autoimmune disorder called sjogren's Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. has also a lot of symptoms of body pain joint pain fatigue kind of um you know it comes out of nowhere it comes and goes And really on my own journey, I also realized exactly what you're saying, that some doctors don't really understand it. They don't know how to diagnose it. I went for years without being diagnosed, but yet had a bunch of tests. Nothing was showing up on the tests. So you had this disorder start while you were still working in the Mm -hmm. corporate world, in HR. Mm -hmm. And how did you manage the illness, once you found out what it was, you were still working, right? Right. And I guess I was blessed uh, because I did have the HR background. So I knew what laws, you know, I could take advantage of, so to speak, or policies. You know, I knew about FMLA. I knew about job accommodations, ADA, um, discrimination, HIPAA, I knew all that stuff. So I could take advantage of that at work, but not everyone has that. Or small businesses aren't always aware of what should apply to someone with a with a chronic illness. So um, I was able to take or apply for FMLA and had it granted and I got it recertified every year. I did a lot of research on what would really help me personally um, change some habits in my life. I was educating the people I worked with because ironically, I was in the medical field. And so I had to teach my director of nursing, my other nurses that I worked with, my other support staff, all of that, kind of what my particular illness, fibromyalgia, was, and how to recognize signs and kind of know that I'm having a bad day. And from what I recall from my corporate background in HR with FMLA, when I was using it, you have to be able to prove, like when you apply for FMLA, you have to have proof of your illness, right? Like a doctor's note Mm -hmm. and things Mm -hmm. like that. And isn't it true that with some of these illnesses, it's hard to, to make a case for it because a lot of employers think, well, if I don't see that you have a broken arm or if I don't see that you have a a medical, you know, if it's not visible, it Mm -hmm. doesn't exist. Mm 
Did you run into that? I particularly did not, but I know a lot of individuals that do. And that's where the visible versus invisible disabilities come into play. Because, you know, if I have a chronic illness that's considered a disability, can you see it? Can you see if I have lupus? Can you see if I have cancer? Can you see that? No, the only things that you can visibly see is if I'm using a walker or a cane, a wheelchair. But there's so many things, disabilities and illnesses, diseases that you can't see. I look normal one day and one day I may be in bed. Right. You know, you just never know when that flare up's going to happen or when that bad day is going to occur. How do you actually define chronic illness? A chronic illness is something that's long-term. So it's over 12 months. So like a broken arm, a flu, a respiratory virus like um, RSV, pneumonia. That wouldn't be considered long-term because you can get over it in in a amount of period. So it's long-term, over 12 months, and you seek medical attention on a regular basis. Okay. So that would be considered like a chronic illness. So when you're using FMLA, you have to be able to show that you've been to a doctor and that they've actually formally diagnosed you. Mm -hmm. And do you... Do you have to show that it's been going on? So you have to have it for a year and be suffering from it for a year before it's considered chronic and you can use FMLA? Well, you don't have to have it a year, but it has to last longer than a year. So you know when you were diagnosed, you knew you weren't going to get over it in six months or three months. You knew it was a long-term disease. Right. So that's what I mean by it has to be long-term. It's not that, because I could be newly diagnosed and understand I've been living with it for 10 years, but no, I'm going to just got diagnosed now and I'm going to have it until I pass away. I see. Okay. That's the difference there. Yep. And when you're talking about FMLA and the paperwork, a doctor does complete a portion of that. Right. Yeah, I think I recall that mm-hmm. they have to fill out their their piece with all their information. Okay. Yeah. What issues do employers face with their chronically ill employees? I think they. Um, I mean, let's take let's take an example of maybe a stellar employee, and then all of a sudden you see they're missing a lot of work. They're coming in late. Their production is way down. You know, they're they're showing a lot of confusion at work. So then you're thinking, okay, well, now I need to put them on a performance improvement plan. But I can't understand why I had a stellar employee. And now they've dropped so much. They're probably one of the worst employees I have. So it could be something like that. So you're going to see, you know, absenteeism. You're going to see productivity decrease. Um, 
maybe the confusion, alertness, cognitive thinking, mixing up their words, that kind of stuff. Um, a lot of fatigue. Um, those kind of things is pretty much what they will see. They will also probably see um, something not specific to an individual, but they'll see their healthcare utilization go up because, you know, people with um, diseases will go to the doctor a lot. Right. And I, I can imagine with some of these quote invisible types of illnesses, they're probably visiting physicians a lot to try to get diagnosed. They're having multiple tests and they can't find anything. So they go for more tests. So it does run up their health util- healthcare utilization. Mm-hmm. With not only going to the doctor, but the the medicines, mm-hmm. you know, some of the medicines uh, individuals have to be on can be very, very costly. Um, then it's also alternative therapies that they may have to utilize to try to get their disease under control. And when I say alternative therapies, that's like chiropractic, float therapy, massage therapy, occupational therapy, physical therapy, acupuncture. I mean, there's all that gamut of alternative therapies that may help this individual get it under control. And if I think about my situation over the decades, and you're talking about all these different modalities, I also have now a whole team of practitioners, including an acupuncturist and all of these people that help me when my condition flares up. And a lot of this is not covered by insurance. Right. So when we talk about, you know, the issues that employees face with their chronic illness, there's all the things you just mentioned that employers face, like the absenteeism and these employees are seeking treatment and all of that. But from the employee's standpoint, it's very expensive. It's very costly because Mm -hmm. it's not many times covered by insurance. Did you face some of that also as you were being diagnosed and treated? I did face some of that, like my massage therapy wasn't covered under insurance. Um, a lot of times insurance will limit how many visits you can have to a chiropractor, um, that kind of stuff. So it is a lot of out-of-pocket expenses for us. And you'll see people with chronic illnesses really try to come to work because we need that job. We need that job for that insurance. Julie, what's the name of your book again and where can people find it? It's called Chronic Illness at Work, and it's available on Amazon um, via Kindle or hardback. We're here with Julie Hamilton today talking about chronically ill employees in the workplace and the issues faced by the employee and the employer. We're going to pause here for a quick break. When we come back, we'll delve into the laws in this area and the responsibilities of the Human Resource Department. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. A little birdie told me Voice America is on X. Follow us at Voice America TRN. Are you ready to unlock your full potential as a leader? Look no further than MD Consulting. Monique Daniel, executive coach, best-selling author, 
and captivating public speaker, is here to guide you towards transformational success. With a global reach, Monique empowers executive leaders and HR professionals through engaging presentations at conferences, team building activities, and industry gatherings. Monique's mission is clear, to revolutionize workplace behavior. She achieves this not only by coaching a diverse clientele, but also by educating corporate leaders through both virtual and in-person events. Well, thank you so much for being here to help us understand. As a recognized subject matter expert, Monique delves into crucial topics such as psychological safety, onboarding strategies, effective training methods, and mastering time management skills. Now for a great topic that we're going to delve into. Ready to learn more? Request Monique's Speaker One Sheet or secure her for an engaging speaking engagement by sending an email to monique at mdconsultingglobal.com. Don't miss this opportunity to elevate your leadership journey with Monique Daniel and MD Consulting. Unleash your potential today. Visit www.mdconsultingglobal.com or email monique at mdconsultingglobal.com to take the next step towards transformative leadership. MD Consulting, where success begins. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to Leading with Intention with Monique Daniel. Have a question for Monique or her guests? Email Monique at Monique at MDConsultingGlobal.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. We're here with Julie Hamilton discussing the topic of chronically ill employees in the workplace. Julie, how can companies better help their chronically ill employees? The first thing that I recommend is really have that open door policy and get to know your employees and um, make a connection with them. Make that personal connection. Because if you have that with your employee and know them as a person and they feel seen and heard, they're more likely to open up to you about what they're struggling with, okay? The second thing is I would recommend to do training. Training at all levels, whether it's the management level um, or the subordinate, support staff, whatever you call the, the workers that do most of the work. We won't say that, but, you know, a lot of that work down in the fillers. Um, you've got to train everybody at all levels to understand the policies, what's available, how do you ask for it, are there forms you need to use, talk about the confidentiality, the HIPAA there, because I always use uh, the example, which kind of dates me, um, <laughs> standing around the water cooler, you know, like, oh, did you hear Julie's out again? I don't know how she gets away with being gone all the time. And somebody says, oh, well, she has some health condition. I don't know if it's true, but I guess that must be it. Or a manager going talking to another manager about it, let's say in the break room. Well, Julie has this health condition and I've got to make accommodations to her, but then I've got my other people complaining about it. You know, and and 
that's nobody's business. When somebody has a condition uh, with regard to their health, that's really confidential and only the people that need to know, need to know. That's kind of like the boss and the HR. That's it. And that's what falls under HIPAA, right? When you yes. Can you explain a little more about HIPAA and what that H- is? HIPAA is the Health Insurance Portability Accountability Act, okay? And that really came into play, if you all remember, Arthur Ashe. And he was, he had AIDS and he was in the hospital and the hospital released that information out into the public. And he did not want anyone to know that he had that. So that's kind of how it came about was through that because, you know, it's really no one's business what condition I have or if I have a health condition. It's all privacy. Okay. So we don't release it out to anyone. That's why it's only those who need to know, need to know. Okay. And isn't there also a a stipulation or a law about how employers like the managers cannot ask the employee about an illness. Like if an employer sees that an employee is not performing or is out sick a lot, is the employer allowed to say, you know, what's your medical condition? Do you have a problem? Or is that kind of off the table? They're not supposed to talk about it. They have to wait for the employee to volunteer the information. It's kind of, that fine line mm. thing there. And that's why I stress the importance of the open door and making that personal connection. Because then you can sit down with them and say, hey, I noticed that you've really been struggling, you know, with productivity or getting here on time or you've been absent a lot. Is there something going on in your life that, you know, that maybe I can help you with? Mm. That's a great way to open it up because once you've built that rapport and feel like, hey, I'm here for you. Let me help you. I see you. I hear you. Most likely someone will open up and say, hey, I've been diagnosed with a certain health condition and it causes me to come have insomnia or fatigue or brain fog, or body pain. It's hard for me to get up in the morning. You know, they're more likely to open up if you have that relationship. But if you treat them as a number, you can't remember their name. Hey, you. Hey, you. You know, they're not going to open up to you. And I think that's where it's really important that you build that relationship. And let's say that relationship is there and the employee confides in their manager that there's this health condition, but the employee hasn't been using FMLA yet, but the employee asks the employer for some special accommodations, maybe a reduction in hours, or can they work from home a couple more times a week? (laughs) Should the employer accommodate that, or do they need to be on FMLA before the employer accommodates that? That's two separate things. So if you have an employee that is missing a lot of work or you notice it takes off a lot for doctor's appointments and you you find out there's maybe a medical condition, 
I, as in a manager, would recommend to the employee, hey, I think maybe you better talk to HR and maybe file for Family Medical Leave Act. Because then, as an employee, you can have your doctor fill it out as intermittent, Mm -hmm. which means you're at work, you're gone, you're at work, you're gone. Mm -hmm. Whereas regular FMLA is you're just gone for a period of time. Right. So if you have intermittent, that will cover your flare days and your doctor's appointments, and they can't count against your attendance. Okay. So that's FMLA. Okay. So if an employee comes to the employer and says, I've got this medical condition, can I please work from home a couple more days a week? The employer really should just refer them to HR. And HR and the manager would sit down and see if that's an accommodation they can make. Okay. Now, if it, it, the guidelines really say if it's a reasonable accommodation, then the company um, would honor that, you know, Mm -hmm. most likely. But if it's unreasonable, so let's say I go in and say, hey, I can't walk 20 feet. I need uh, a new door. I need an office. I need climate control. I need a bathroom, you know. Mm-hmm. All of this stuff, that's really very unreasonable. So if it costs the company a lot of money or is an outrageous demand type thing. Okay. And undue hardship for the company. I see. That's good information because then it's, it's, there's a difference between the reasonable and unreasonable mm-hmm. requests. Okay. So other than FMLA and HIPAA, Are there other laws that are applicable in this area? Well, um, there's the ADA, which is Americans with Disabilities Act. So that's kind of where the job accommodations comes into play. And if you have any questions on job accommodations, one thing that's a great resource tool is askjan.com. Dot, I can't remember if it's .net or .org, mm-hmm. um, but it's a great thing. It, it's connected with the government, with Americans with Disabilities Act. You can go on there and you can ask a question and they'll just email the response. It's not like, so I could go on there, you could go on there, a manager can go on there, an employee can go on there and just ask questions. And you'll get a response. So you can find out different things about the accommodations. Okay. That sounds like a great resource. And we'll be uploading your resources. So if you want to put that in with resources, we can upload that so that our listeners can get to all that information. Uh Now you were in HR, so you knew about all these laws and what you could request and the accommodations. Other people wouldn't know this. And I have coaching clients all the time that come into sessions and they are managers and they're dealing with what is possibly a chronically ill employee. And they don't realize anything about FMLA or anything. So is training the only way that people would know, like to hold a a giant training session, which most companies probably would do maybe once a year or less. What What is another way that managers can inform themselves? 
training is probably the best. Um, refresh your courses. Uh, just refresh yourself the the policies that you have in place. Um, things like that. One other thing that I recommend for managers or and or employees is to sit down with a job description and kind of say, okay, tell me what tasks that you're really struggling with. Oh, that's a great idea. And then you can see now tell me which they are so maybe i can't lift 50 pounds okay well that's something we can help you with that's an accommodation mm -hmm. okay um i can't sit in meetings where we have 10 people talking can we either limit those or can i just get a copy of the notes or the minutes right um maybe i'm sitting at my desk and there's too much noise around me so is it okay if i wear headphones hmm. or the lighting is it okay if i wear special glasses mm -hmm. you know it's just sitting down and that's in this whole entire thing monique is really comes down to communication right yeah, yeah. But um, I really think sitting down with the employee and saying, okay, here's your job description. What are the tasks that you can or can't or can't do without reasonable accommodations? Right. Or what are you struggling with? And a lot of this seems to fall on HR as far as the laws and the training, because HR, I would think, would be responsible for providing training, right? Um, it could be HR. You could hire an outside company. You could mm -hmm. hire, you know, somebody with the expertise in that area. Okay. So if we were to look at HR responsibilities around this versus a leader's responsibilities, what would be some of the differences? Like what is HR responsible for versus what the manager is responsible for with chronically ill employees? I think for managers, it's the connection. It's knowing the policies. Maybe it's knowing who to refer it to or where to get the paperwork. Um, I think both of them need to know about the deadlines because there's specific timelines, especially with FMLA. When you can apply, when do you have to have the paperwork out? When do you have to have it returned? That kind of thing. So there's a lot of deadlines around that. And I think it's important for both the manager and HR to know that. That is an important point. I hadn't thought about that, the deadlines. And mm -hmm. if employees are chronically ill, they may forget about the deadlines because mm -hmm. it's hard to keep track when you're not feeling well. Yep. So that does put a little bit of an extra responsibility on maybe even the manager to remind them or to send out something maybe even in writing so that they remember so that they've got it. So yep. it, it's a almost like a team effort that there's got to be that open communication between the manager and the employee and hopefully developing that relationship right from the start mm -hmm. so that if something happens, there's that conversation and then the leader needs to also have a relationship with their HR people. And I find that that 
does not always happen. I have some clients who are leaders and they don't even ever have a conversation with HR. They don't know who their HR business partner is. <laughs> so that has to change too. So oh, it's yep. really this whole team effort that has to take place in order to support the employee, which in the end contributes to the bottom line of the company. You know, it helps the employee to be more productive um, mm-hmm. and and help the company to be more successful. Mm-hmm. Well, on that note, we're going to take a quick break. We are here with Julie Hamilton, author of Chronic Illness at Work. We've been talking about the laws around chronic illness in the workplace and things that can be done to help chronically ill employees. When we come back, we'll talk about how this issue can be used as a recruiting tool. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Want to see what Voice America is up to behind the scenes? Follow us on TikTok at Voice America Talk Radio. At MD Consulting, Executive Coach Monique Dagneau provides executive coaching to leaders struggling with workplace challenges and pain points. Unlike other coaching companies that use a Band-Aid approach, we have a specific set of tools and processes to thoroughly root cause and unpack a client's challenges. Our specialized method helps you implement measurable and sustainable solutions to enhance your leadership skills and develop your team. Visit www.mdconsultingglobal.com to book a complimentary breakthrough session. How do you cultivate braver, more daring leaders? And how do you embed the value of courage in your culture? How do you take charge of your life and achieve your goals and bring about positive changes that propel you forward? On The Leader's Edge, join your hosts, Steve and Ernie, as they bring a mix of insights in personal and leadership growth that shapes your culture and the culture around you. Lean in and learn intentionally how to accelerate into your next best life. Tune into The Leader's Edge with Ernalita DeCumos and Steve Steele, Thursdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to Leading with Intention with Monique Daniel. Have a question for Monique or her guests? Email Monique at Monique at MDConsultingGlobal.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. If you have tuned in a little late, we're talking to Julie Hamilton, author of Chronic Illness at Work. In the previous segment, we discussed some of the laws that apply to chronically ill employees. Julie, what happens if a company doesn't follow the laws? Well, if you're ever audited or there's a complaint filed against your company, of course, um, the DOL could come, Department of Labor, sorry, Department of Labor can come in or any government group. And if they find a, a violation, the first violation can be anywhere from $125,000 to $175,000. And then they increase it per violation found. And if they find one, they're going to be pretty picky and find several more 
So it can really, really cost a company a lot of money if they don't follow the laws. And I suppose once there's a violation, they're kind of on this this list where they're watched, probably. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. And they have to do like a, what they call like a rebuttal letter or a defense letter and list what their steps are going to be. And then they'll be continually audited to make sure that they meet those steps every, whatever the goals are, maybe it's 30 days or, or 60 or six months or annually or whatever. And then they have to prove that they're doing those and send in periodically reports for that. So it's not only the cost of it, which could be anywhere, like I said, you can start at 125000 and it'll go significantly higher from there. And plus, it's a lot of time. It's a lot of paperwork, you know, just all of that. So that's if they're audited. Mm-hmm. But I suppose someone could complain to the Department of Labor? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then that would initiate the same kind of thing. Someone would yes. come in and, and audit and possibly find them. Yes. And there is also the Equal Opportunity Commission, the EEOC, um, that can come in and also do that. So if an employee files a complaint, they will come in and do an audit as well. Okay. So that's one benefit of a company working with a chronically ill employee, you know, mm-hmm. to prevent that negative thing from happening, that the, the fines. Are there some positive benefits? What are those positive benefits of companies working with employees that are chronically ill? Well, I think when it can really affect your bottom line. So if you don't work with someone that has a chronic illness, you're going to have high absenteeism, high um, turnover rate, because you're always firing people, and um, low productivity. But in aspect, I like to turn that around and say, okay, if you learn to work with someone like this, you're going to have low low um, turnover rate because you're going to be known as a company that people want to work with. You're known as an understanding and have a culture of inclusivity. You know, you're the person that's going to say, hey, come work with us. We can we can work with you with your illness and we can look at some accommodations. Okay. So your productivity is going to be high. You're going to be able to meet those customer client demands. You know, you're going to put out a quality product because people are going to be proud to be working for your company because you treat them right. It can also affect your bottom line because your health care costs can decrease if you learn how to work with them, you know resources available. Um, let's say there's coaching involved with it, like one-on-one coaching, like what I what I provide uh, for my clients, or you know, there's other resources for that. So it can affect their medical costs. You know, their recruiting costs are going to go down, and they're like, well, how does that affect recruiting? Okay, well, if you have one open position, depending on the level. The minimum that it costs to replace one person is 1.5% of their salary. You know, 
or 1.5 times their salary. Sorry, not 1.5% of it, but 1.5 times their salary. So if you have a manager that makes $100,000, it's costing you only, not only the 150, but it's causing advertising costs. It costs HR time. It costs management interviewing time. It costs onboarding time. It costs, I mean, it goes on and on. So your recruiting costs are going to go down. Plus, you're going to have this reputation in the community when you're trying to recruit individuals that, hey, I want to go work for that company. You're going right. to be known as that great place to work. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of expense involved. I've spoken before and have had guests on this show before about onboarding and the importance of doing that right initially so that you can retain your employees because of the cost of, mm -hmm. you know, when people leave and then having to rehire, retrain, lots of time, a lot of expense. So that what you're saying really makes a lot of sense and especially how it can be used as a recruiting tool. So as I think about this, definitely if a chronically ill employee is accommodated in a company, they're more willing to talk about that company in a positive way. And that impacts the company's brand that they're treating their employees right. How else could something like this be used as a recruiting tool? Like, is this something that is would be talked about during the interview process? Or is it listed as a company benefit? Or how else can a company, you know, use it to their advantage? Well, I think excuse me, you can always use it as kind of like, um, like you said, as a benefit, you know, say, hey, you know, people promote EAPs, employee assistance programs. Mm, right. Okay. Right. Yep. So why not promote, okay, well, we have resources that if you have um, a certain kind of health or medical condition, we do have resources that we can it can connect you with coaching, one-on-one -on -one coaching, and maybe the company pays X dollars of it, or maybe, you know, health insurance companies promoting um, weight losses right now and connect you with, you know, health coaches. Why not connect companies and clients with those type of coaches? You could use it as a recruiting tool that tool that way or a benefit um there's always that um networking of people just talking word of reputation you know i know a lot of individuals with disabilities or with autoimmune diseases and stuff and say hey i heard that xyz company has been really working well or i have a client who works for this company and they're been very good with working with her why don't you apply there because i know that they have positions that you are qualified for so i think I, it can help in that way and there's so many companies right now that are complaining because they can't find employees and i think they have to, to learn to think creatively about mm -hmm. how to market themselves and they have to think about their brand. And this is probably something that's overlooked. There are probably a lot of companies out there that do treat chronically ill employees really well, but those companies aren't realizing that they can use that behavior mm -hmm. to their advantage. 
So you've brought up some really, really good points. And hopefully any of our listeners out there will take advantage of some of these suggestions that you're giving. When it comes to chronically ill employees, and you had to do this for yourself, how do they advocate for themselves? What are some things that a chronically ill employee could do right now just to be their own advocate in the workplace? I think try to build that communication. I think do some research. Um, con- and I don't need, mean to toot my own horn, but contact me because I have um, created an HR toolkit is what I call it, but it's kind of like a toolkit. It's to help or give it to your managers or HR to see the benefits of working with a coach or to show what symptoms um, they might be experiencing. So here's a symptom. This is what I feel, but this is what my manager might see. You know, that kind of thing. Okay, because that's a good point. What they're feeling is being perceived or seen in in another way. Mm-hmm. And especially because I think chronically ill employees try to cover up some of their symptoms because there's some shame involved and they're, they don't want people to know and things like that. But it's still probably coming out somehow in their behavior or their performance, things like that. Yeah. And like for me, when I was working in the medical field, I had trained one individual so well that she knew by just looking into my eyes how I was feeling that day and what kind Mm. of day and and she would make concessions for that or accommodate for that because she knew I could handle a lot more or not and I was I Mm. was at the manager slash director level and she was um, the front person that greeted everybody as they walked in the door first wow so that's really incredible that somebody would be that in tuned to you mm-hmm. and to what you're feeling. And that would be like the ideal situation, I think, in the workplace is for managers to be able to tell oh, yeah. just like that and to be able to shift workload or something like that at the drop of a hat. Or recognize you're having a bad day today. Mm-hmm. Can you share a success story with us of someone you've worked with who is chronically ill and they are able to manage their illness in the workplace because they have that kind of a relationship with their manager? Absolutely. This is my favorite story of all, I think. (laughs) Um, When I started working with this individual, she was on a leave, in bed, could not lift her head from the pillow. Okay. We worked together about an a year and a half. And by the end of that, she was back to work, working 30 hours a week with some accommodations and was able to work a couple days from home. So you coached her in what way? How was she able to get to that point? Well, we looked at different aspects of her life and pinpointed different things that she could manage personally. And then I coached her on how to talk to her boss, how to apply for FMLA. Okay, now let's look at job accommodations. What do you need to be successful? What about this? You know, so we kind of took two aspects of it 
and worked on each of those until she felt comfortable to do that. What great guidance, because like I said, I think employees are afraid to have the conversation. They don't want to be that transparent. I think some of them are actually afraid that if if they have the conversation, they're going to lose their job. I think that's the, the feeling for most people. So to have that kind of guidance is from someone like you is really, really amazing. Do you work with small businesses and large corporations, any size? Any size, any size, because really what my passion is, is to help people and bring individuals with chronic illnesses and the companies together and, and you know, bring that relationship together so they can work uh, and have a productive life because that's really all we as somebody with with an illness is to have that productive life and have life full of joy. Tell us again the name of your book and how people can find out about it and how they can reach you. Um, The name of my book is Chronic Illness at Work. It's available on Amazon. And they can contact me by sending me an email at jhamilton at coachingpi.com. Or you can look at my website at coachingpi.com. You've been listening to Leading with Intention on the Voice America Business Channel. Julie Hamilton, thank you so much for being here today. I invite all our listeners to visit my website at mdconsultingglobal.com. And there you can sign up for my blog that comes out twice a month. You can connect with me on social media. And I've got a great resource page with a lot of leadership tips. And we will have the notes from today's show downloaded so that you can access those. Please tune in again next week. And until then, don't forget to lead with intention. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Leading with Intention. Our intention is that you walk away from this show today with new tools, techniques, and insights that help you lead more effectively and have greater impact within your company. Until we talk again, have a great week.